ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so last time then we finished the topic regarding the prostration of forgetfulness, sajdatu sahu. So then moving on from there now, as Shaykh al-Athaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala says, هَذِهِ الصَّلَاةِ الْعَظِيمَةِ كُلُّنَا فِي الْحَقِيقَةِ نَسْأَلُ اللَّهَ أَنْ يُعَامِلَنَا بِعَفْوِهِ كُلُّنَا فِي صَلَاتِهِ نَقْسِ this great act of worship, this prayer, in reality, all of us have some shortcomings in our prayer. All of us have some shortcomings in our prayer. So is there anything outside of the prayer, some other worship that can make up for the deficiencies and the shortcomings that we have in our prayers. The Shaykh says, Naam, As-Sunan wal-Rawatib Was-Sunan al-Rawatib Ithnata Ashara Raka'ah There is another worship that you can do that fills up the gaps in your prayers, the shortcomings in your prayers. And that is the sunnah prayers, the rawatib. The sunnah prayers that go with every normal five prayers of the day. There are sunnah ratiba prayers that go with them. And there are twelve of them every day. Twelve raka'at every day. For dhuhr, there is four before dhuhr. And two after it. That's six. Maghrib, there is two after it. That's eight. Aisha, there is two after it. That is ten. Fajr, there is two before it. That makes the twelve. Those twelve are known as the ratiba. The rawatib, the prayers that you pray alongside the fard prayers. Two before fajr, so as they say, the two sunnah, then the two fard. Then dhuhr, four sunnah, then the four fard, then the two sunnah. Asr as it is, maghrib, you have the three fard, then the two sunnah. Aisha, the four fard, then the two sunnah. So those sunnah ones make up the twelve raka'at, which are the twelve ratiba ones, the twelve rawatib. Those twelve, two before fajr, four before dhuhr, two after dhuhr, two after maghrib, two after isha, those twelve, if you pray them every day, then in the hadith it says, there is a hadith, if you pray those 12 every day along with your fard, 
then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will build a house for you in paradise. إِذَا صَلَّيْتَ فِي يَوْمٍ بَنَ اللَّهُ لَكَ بَيْتًا فِي الْجَنَّةِ دَائِمًا لَا يَتَغَيِّرٍ A house in paradise that remains as it is and never changes. A house in paradise never breaks and finishes and becomes old, stays as it is. A beautiful house that there is no issue with it, no uh, shortcoming with it. And you, of course, in paradise, will never become ill, will never die, will never finish. So that house and you, it remains forever. So the one who prays those twelve every day, two before Fajr, four before Dhuhr, two after Dhuhr, two after Maghrib, two after Isha, pray those twelve as a minimum, along with your fard prayers, and the hadith mentions a house in paradise is built for you. The Sheikh says nowadays, if you wanted to build a house, if you think about this example, if you wanted to build a house, you would not finish building that house in one day. Impossible. You would not maybe even finish it in a year or six months. It would take time to build a house. But here we see in the religion, all you have to do is pray those 12 raka'at every day and your house is built. In paradise, a house with no faults in it. A house that will never come to an end. However, the Sheikh says, despite this great reward, many people are negligent of those sunnah prayers along with your fard. Many people are negligent of them and do not pray them. And that is because in the Quran Allah mentioned, People, they are too interested in this world and what they can get now. And they forget about what they are going to get in the hereafter. Everybody is bothered about this world. Quickly finish your fard and go back to work. Everybody about this world, chasing after this world. And they forget about what they will get in the hereafter. If they were to pray these 12 raka'at, takes a few minutes extra every prayer. So the people have forgotten about these and they have become negligent of them. But you should guard over these 12 raka'at that go alongside the fard prayers. Because the other thing is, if there are mistakes in your fard prayer, there are shortcomings in your fard prayer, these sunnah prayers make up for it. They will fill in the gaps for you, make up the gaps for you. The most important from all of these 12 sunnah prayers is which one? The fajr one. Akad hadhihi rawatib ratibatul fajr. The most important from those 12 raka'at of sunnah is the two sunnah of fajr. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to pray those two sunnah of fajr whether he was at home or even if he was on a journey traveling. Even when traveling on a journey, when you can shorten your prayer, everything, he would still pray those two sunnah of fajr as well. 
أما راتبة الظهر والمغرب العشاء فكان لا يصليها في السفر. But the other ten, he wouldn't pray them if he was traveling. When traveling, there is ease for you. So he wouldn't pray the others. But the sunnah one, he would pray even when traveling. So that shows how important the sunnah one is. Also, it is mentioned that these sunnah prayers, there is more reward if you pray them at home instead of the mosque. So in the mosque, you should pray the fard part, the fard prayer. These sunnah ones that go with them, you should pray them at home. There is more reward to pray them at home. What if you were in Makkah? You live in Makkah. Imagine you live in Makkah. So should you pray the sunnah prayers in the haram or still go home and pray them? Haram? Home? You live next to the haram. 100,000. Better to pray at home or in the haram? Still home. Because the hadith, it's general to all of it. That the sunnah prayers are better in the house. It's the same for women. Women, it is better for them to pray at home or in the mosque. At home. So imagine they go to Mecca and they go to Medina. Is it a problem if they pray in the hotel? No problem. In fact, many scholars say they'll get more reward. But of course, of course, when you go there, they want to go and see, no problem, of course. But if they stay in the hotel one time, you can't go or something, there is no problem. They get the reward, plenty of reward. Because for the women, it is better in the home anyway. So in this case as well, for the men, it is better to pray at home the sunnah, even if it was haram. That is because there is a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, أفضل صلاة المرء في بيته the best prayer for a man is when you pray at home. Except the fard prayers. The best prayer, the most reward for a man is when you pray at home. Except for the obligatory prayers, the fard prayers. Those in the jama'ah in the mosque. ولهذا كان عليه الصلاة والسلام يطبق مقتضى هذا الحديث عمليا فكان يصلي صلاة النافلة في بيته مع أن بيته بابه إلى المسجد uh, The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم His house and his mosque there was just a door Open the door in his house Open the door in the mosque Just a door Not even walking on the next street On the door he used to pray his fard in the mosque, he used to pray sunnah in the house. Even though the mosque, salatun fi masjidi hadha khayrun, it is better than alfi salah, by a thousand prayers. A thousand prayers more reward in al-masjid al-nabawi. But still, after the fard, he would go pray the sunnah in his house. So that proves even in the haram, Makkah, Medina, still, if you pray the sunnah in your home, that is superior. It is better. 
So the Prophet ﷺ used to do that. The sunnah prayers, he would leave the mosque, go into his house and pray the sunnah prayers in his house. These sunnah prayers, are there any particular surahs you're supposed to recite in any of them? There are for some. In the Fajr, the two sunnah in the Fajr, in the first raka'ah, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ In the second raka'ah, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ Or, there's another combination. In the two sunnah of Fajr, in the first raka'ah you can recite, قُولُوا آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْنَا Surah Al-Baqarah The ayah from Surah Al-Baqarah And قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالَوْا إِلَى كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ That is an ayah from Surah Al-Imran These ones are mentioned as well So sometimes you can read قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ And قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ and sometimes, if you know these other ayat, قُولُوا آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ from Surah Al-Baqarah, and قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالَوْا إِلَى كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ from Surah Al-Imran. Those ones can be recited in the two sunnah of Al-Fajr. The rest of the sunan, the ten that are left, there is nothing in particular mentioned about them, except the two of Maghrib. The two of Maghrib, again it mentions قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ and قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ For the two sunnah of Maghrib. The two sunnah of Fajr are very important like we said. And they have some important points about them. Number one is that they have something specific to recite in them. قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ they have something specific to recite in them. And the second important thing about them in the sunnah, it says you're supposed to make them short. That you're supposed to make them short. وَلِهَذَا لَوْ قَالَ قَائِلْ هَلْ تَسْتَحِبُّونَ لِي إِذَا صَلَّيْتُ سُنَّةَ الْفَجْرِ أَنْ أُطِيلَ فِي التَّصْبِيحِ وَفِي الدُّعَاءِ وَفِي الْقِرَاءِ قُلْنَا الَّذِي يُخَفِّفْ أَفْضَلْ مِنَ الَّذِي يَثْقُلْ We mentioned this before. If a person said, but is it okay for me to pray the two sunnah of Fajr long? It is okay. But what's better? To make it short? That's the sunnah. Make it short, those two sunnah. The rest of the time, read the Quran and do other things until the fard prayer happens. Also, another very important thing about the sunnah of Fajr, the third characteristic, does it say in the English the second characteristic twice? The first characteristic is that there is specific recitation in it. The second characteristic is that it is supposed to be made light. The third characteristic... He says the third characteristic? Okay, that's okay then. The third characteristic that it is also prayed even when you are traveling... Even when you are traveling, so that indicates the importance of it. But the other nawafil and the sunan when you're traveling are not prayed. Except witr. Witr the Prophet ﷺ used to pray as well. The fourth characteristic that it has a great reward. Those two sunnah of fajr, there is a great reward for them. In the hadith it mentions, Raka'at al-fajr. 
خير من الدنيا وما فيها the two rak'at of fajr are better than everything in this world this world and everything in it those two rak'at of fajr are better than this world and everything in it الدنيا منذ خلقت الى قيام الساعه بما فيها من كل الزخارف since the beginning when the world was created to the end everything all the beauties of it those two rak'at those two sunnah of fajr are better than all of that so certainly a person should make sure that he prays them وهذا يوجب لنا ان نحرص على هاتين الركعتين بقدر المستطاع وأن نصليهما قبل الصلاة فإذا دخلنا والإمام قد شرع في صلاة الفجر فلا نصليها ونصليهما بعد الصلاة What if you walk into the mosque and you think to yourself I'll pray them in the mosque today You're going to the mosque but when you get there already the iqama starts So now you have to pray Fajr After Fajr can you pray these two sunnah Even though they are supposed to be before Fajr You can So after the Fajr then you can pray them When can you pray them after the salah? Straight after the prayer? And it is even possible after the sunrise. Once it has risen up, you can still pray those two. Those two of sunnah of fajr. Then, there is another sunnah that many people are not aware of. There is another sunnah for fajr that many people are not aware of. أن كثيرا من أهل العلم قال many scholars mentioned it ينبغي إذا صلى سنة الفجر أن يضجع يصيرا على جنبه الأيمن when you pray the two sunnah of fajr in the morning you're supposed to pray them at home then actually there is a sunnah that the Prophet ﷺ used to do what afterwards not sleep but just lie down he used to lie down on his right hand side for a while so many scholars said you should do that pray your two sunnah of fajr you don't fall asleep again but just you lie down on your right you take that small break and then you get up and you go to the mosque the prophet sallallahu used to do that وَهَذَا لِلْضَجَاعِ فِيهِ خِلَافِ بَيْنَ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ some of the scholars they said of course that is not a sunnah the prophet sallallahu used to do it but it's not a sunnah to do he just used to do it, to take a rest and go to the mosque. But it's not a sunnah. Other scholars said, no, you should do it like a sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ used to do it, so you should do it like a sunnah too. So that is a difference between the scholars. Some of them say you should do it, some of them say you shouldn't. Some of them say you should do it only if you had been praying the night prayer, the hajjud. If you had been up for two hours already, Praying the night prayer, praying the night prayer. Then the adhan for fajr happened. Then you prayed the sunnah of fajr. So now you may need to just take a small lie down before going to fajr prayer. You've been praying for two hours already, tahajjud. So some scholars said if you've been praying the night prayer, then it is suitable just lie and rest your body for a short while and then get up and go to the fajr prayer. But otherwise, some of the scholars say it is not a sunnah. Some of them say it is a sunnah. Unless, of course... You fear that you will fall asleep, then you don't do it. If you're really tired and you fear that if you do that, you're going to end up falling asleep and missing the fard, then you don't do it at all. But if you can, you're awake, alert, and you're just going to rest your body, you can do it. But if you're not, then you shouldn't do it if you fear falling asleep.
The other very important sunnah of the day is the witter one as well. Uh, and that's not in the rawatib. It's not in these 12 raka'at. But it is an important one to pray every day. Uh, and that is the witter. And that is the final prayer you should pray before going to sleep. And that one can be either one raka'at, three raka'at, five raka'at, seven raka'at, any odd number. Any odd number for that witter. So that witter is sunnah mu'akkada. What does sunnah mu'akkada mean? So it is like the high sunnah. That it is very strong sunnah you should do. You should not miss it. Very highly recommended sunnah. Emphasized sunnah. You should do it. Some of the scholars, or in fact he mentions here, Al-Imam Ahmad, he said, مَنْ تَرَكَ الْوِتْرِ فَهُوَ رَجُلُ سُوءُ Al-Imam Ahmad, he used to say, whoever doesn't pray the witr is an evil man. Whoever doesn't pray witr is an evil man. And you should not take his word for it. When he tells you, uh, like he gives a testimony, he gives a testimony on something, don't take his word for it. Evil man doesn't even pray witr. That's what Imam Ahmad used to say. Imam Ahmad, he used to say, if you don't pray witr, you're a bad man. Not even praying witr. And if you give a testimony, he used to say, you shouldn't accept this testimony. He doesn't even pray witr prayer. So that's how important they used to see it. Very important prayer. This is in the sunnah, sunnah mu'akkada. You should pray this witr prayer. The Prophet used to pray it even when he wasn't journeying. فالوتر سنة مؤكدة ولكن ليس الوتر هو القنوت أي الدعاء بقولك The witter people think you have to do the dua in it It is not a necessity That is not compulsory in the witter People think every witter you gotta do the dua in it It is not obligation It is not a necessity to do that uh, When you say Allahumma hdini fi man hadayt You know the dua الوتر أن تختم صلاة الليل بركعة سواء قلت اللهم اهدني في من هديت وعافني في من عافيت you know the dua they read if you do that good but if you don't it's okay your witter is okay people think that's obligatory you gotta do the dua if you don't know you can't do witter no even if you don't do that dua pray just normal one rakah three rakahat that witter is it it counts so it is not a necessity to have to do that dua that qunut you don't have to do that فالوتر بالركعة مثل لو أنه صلى العشاء الأخيرة وصلى راتبتها ركعتين وأوتر بواحدة فإنه يجوز. الوتر can be even just one rakah. You pray your four isha, you pray your sunnah after it, then just one rakah you pray at the end by itself. That's your witr. It can be. One rakah can be the witr. If you pray witr three rakahat, then there are different ways to do that. Either you can pray two raka'at and then give salam and then get up and pray one. So three altogether. That is with her, that is okay. Or you can pray all three raka'at in one go. All three raka'at in one go. But the only tashahud is right at the end. No tashahud after the second raka'at. <clears throat> what about if you pray five for tashahud? In that case, you can pray all five raka'at and just sit at the, at the end in the last raka'at and do tashahud. Seven, same thing, you can pray all seven raka'at. Up and down, up and down, seven raka'at. On the seventh one, you sit down 
and do your tashahud and finish. Nine, again, it is possible to do all nine. Pray one, get up, pray another, get up, another, 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 carry on praying, carry on praying. Until you get your ninth raka'ah at the end, you do your sujood, now sit and do your tashahud and finish. So eight raka'at in a row, the ninth one you finally come and sit down and do your tashahud. That is possible. And you saliha at tis'a jami'a lakin bitashahudain wa salamun wahid. After the eighth raka'ah, this is the method mentioned here by the Shaykh, after the eighth raka'ah, in the nine one, after the eighth raka'ah, you should sit down and do a tashahud. This is one of the methods mentioned. After the eighth raka'ah, sit down and do a tashahud. Then you get up and pray your ninth one, and then you sit down and do a tashahud and do the salam. So he says here, if you do the nine one, that is the method to do it. The nine raka'at, in fact, after the eighth raka'ah, you sit and do your first tashahud. Then get up, do one more raka'ah, tashahud again, and finish it all and give the salam. So there are two tashahuds in the nine raka'ah one. First one is after the eighth raka'ah, the second and final one after the ninth one in salam. That is if you do nine raka'at. What if you do eleven? Then you do it in twos. Two, 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 and one at the end. وَوَقْتُ الْوِتْرِ مِنْ صَلَاةِ الْعِشَاءِ إِلَى طُلُوعِ الْفَجْرِ حَتَّى لَوْ جَمْعَ الْإِنسَانِ جَمْعَ تَقْدِيمٍ فِي السَّفَرِ أَوْ فِي الْحَضَرِ فَإِنَّ الْوِتْرَ يَدْخُلُ وَقْتُهُ وَلَوْ قَبْلَ أَذَانِ الْعِشَاءِ لِأَنَّ الْعِبْرَ بِصَلَاةِ الْعِشَاءِ So the uh, witr prayer is to be prayed after the isha, up until fajr time starts, any time there, all night. From after Isha, when you've prayed your Isha, time for winter starts, carries on all the way up until Fajr time enters. What if you're traveling and you combine your Isha with Maghrib at Maghrib time? Can you pray winter straight away or do you have to wait for Isha time to start? If you're traveling and you combine Maghrib and Isha in Maghrib time and finish. Can you pray winter now straight away or do you have to wait for, winter, uh, for Isha time to start? Straight away? Wait, Isha, time to start. Straight away. The Sheikh says it is possible to pray straight away. Because the point of Witter isn't the Isha time. The point of Witter is when you finish your Isha prayer, Witter time starts. The point is you've done your Isha prayer. When you're traveling, are you allowed to do your Isha prayer at Maghrib time? You're allowed. So when you've done it, Witter time starts. You can do it as well. So the Witter is connected to Isha. When you have done your Isha, the witter is allowed after that. What about this situation? A person decides that I'm going to get up and pray tahajjud tonight. I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. And I'm going to pray some tahajjud before Fajr time starts at 5, 5.30 a.m. Should this person pray witter? After Isha prayer now at 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and go to sleep. And then he's going to put his alarm on to get up at 4 o'clock, pray tahajjud. Or should he just pray his Isha and leave the witr? Go to sleep, get up, pray tahajjud, after the tahajjud do the witr. Which way? So don't pray it after Isha, go to sleep, and then get up afterwards, do tahajjud, and then do it. So the Shaykh says, 
Inna Rasulullah The Prophet explained this. He said, "Man khafa an la yaquma min akhir al-layl falyutir awwala, wa man tami'a an yaquma akhirahu falyutir akhir al-layl. Fa inna salata akhir al-layl mashkuda wa dalika afdal." If you fear, you're afraid, you're probably not going to end up getting up. Then you should just pray your witr after Isha. If you're confident, you regularly do it and you always get up, then in that case, leave it and pray it after your tahajjud. But if you're the kind of person you know it's a risky thing, you might not get up, that's the way you are, then in that case, pray your witr after Isha. But if you know you're going to get up, you do it regularly, no problem. Leave it and pray it after the uh, final prayer in the last third of the night. That's what the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in this hadith in Sahih Muslim. So, if you're confident you're going to get up, then you can leave it till after the night prayer. So now imagine somebody is confident. They're confident they're going to get up. They put the alarms on and everything. Alarm goes off, but miskeen presses the snooze, 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 and doesn't get up. And he doesn't get up. Only hears the adhan, fajr, or then his alarm goes off in the end, fajr time one, then he gets up. So he's missed it. He thought he was definitely going to get up. He normally does. This one night he didn't get up. He's missed it. Time for Fajr has come in. Now what's he going to do? He's missed his witr. Pray, pray still. When? No, he's in Fajr time. He's in Fajr time. Before Fajr? <coughs> what do you do? Somebody explain. What are you going to do? You thought you were going to get up. On this occasion, you didn't manage to get up. Fajr time has started. You haven't prayed your witr. What are you going to do? You're going to get up and make wudu first. Then what? Pray witr. Then after that, you're going to pray your sunnah of Fajr. Then after that, fard of Fajr. That's what you're going to do, okay? Anybody else? So you pray Sunnah, Fajr, Farda, Fajr, or by Witter. That's it, gone. Missed it, okay? Anybody else? So yesterday's witr, you leave it for 24 hours until the next night and pray it with the witr of tonight. After the fajr, okay. Before the sunrise, okay. So... If you've missed the witr like that, there is some rulings about it. You can make it up. You can make up the witr prayer. If you missed it, you can make it up. But, now, if you make it up, you have to make it up as an even number. Not odd number. As an even number. There's a hadith that... On one occasion, 
كَانَ إِذَا غَلَبَهُ النَّوْمِ If the Prophet ﷺ was overcome by sleep, or waja' or some pain, or some difficulty, عَنْ قِيَامِ الليل, So he wasn't able to get up, so he missed the witter. صَلَّى مِنَ النَّهَارِ He would pray 12 raka'at in the daytime. Meaning normally in the night he would pray 11, but you missed it. So now the witter for the daytime is going to end up as 12. The shaykh says if you normally pray 1, then you missed it. In the daytime after sunrise, you should pray 2. If you normally pray 3 after sunrise, then wait for sunrise, pray 4. Normally pray 5, pray 6. So you make it an even number and you pray it after sunrise. That's what the scholars mention. Because in the hadith it says, Salla minan nahar. The Prophet ﷺ then made it up in the daytime. Daytime starts after sunrise. So after sunrise, as an even number, that's what you do then. There's another prayer actually after sunrise, one of the sunnah prayers. Duha prayer. The duha prayer can be prayed, that's two raka'at, or you can pray four raka'at, or six, or eight, or ten, or twelve. Even numbers, just even numbers. So a minimum is two. Minimum two raka'at, and you can pray more than that in even numbers, the duha prayer. When, what, when is the duha prayer? What's the time of the duha prayer? After sunrise, a while after sunrise, up until just before the time, before the time, just before the middle of the day. All of that is the time for the duha prayer. What's the reward of the duha prayer? The reward of the duha prayer, there's a hadith here. The Prophet ﷺ said, يُصْبِحُ عَلَى كُلِّ سُلَامَ مِنْ أَحَدِكُمْ صَدَقَةٌ كُلَّ مِفْصَلٍ عَلَيْكَ عَلَيْهِ كُلَّ يَوْمْ تَطْلَعُ فِيهِ الشَّمْسِ صَدَقَةٌ That every bone, every joint of your body, uh, 300 odd, 360 of them, there is a charity upon you every day. So if a person thinks, how am I going to do 360 acts of charity every day 360 acts of charity every day how the prophet said all of those 360 charities you get the equivalent of them if you just pray the two rakaat of duha so that is mentioned as the reward of it then we come to the final chapter and the final chapter is all about the jama'ah, the prayer in the jama'ah. How do you pray in the jama'ah? What are the rulings of praying in the jama'ah? What are the responsibilities of the imam? What are your responsibilities in the jama'ah? That's what we're going to start now. So, the scholars are agreed that Salatul Jama'ah Praying the congregational prayer is one of the greatest acts of worship. To go and pray your prayer in congregation. And that is mentioned in the Quran. It is mentioned in the Sunnah. There are lots of evidences about praying in congregation. 
uh, in the Sunnah, one of them the Prophet ﷺ mentioned. وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ By the one whom my soul is in his hand, by Allah, لَقَدْ هَمَمْتُ أَنْ آمُرَ بِحَطَبِ I was considering telling them to bring some wood. فَيُحْطَبِ ثُمَّ آمُرَ بِالصَّلَاءِ فَيُؤَذَّنَ لَهَا ثُمَّ آمُرَ رَجُلًا فَيُؤُمَّ النَّاسِ ثُمَّ أُخَالِفَ إِلَى رِجَالِ فَأُحَرِّقَ عَلَيْهِمْ بُيُوتَهُمْ الَّذِي نَفْسِ بِيَدِهِ لَوْ يَعْلِمُ أَحَدُهُمْ أَنَّهُ يَجِدُ عَرْقًا سَمِينًا أَوْ مِرْمَاتَيْنِ حَسَنَتَيْنِ لَشَهِدَ الْعِشَاءِ He said that I was thinking of telling them to bring some wood and then for the congregational adhan, the prayer to be established. Then I would go and I would put that firewood onto the houses of the people who don't come and pray in the congregational prayer for the men. That indicates to you that the congregational prayer is something obligatory, some scholars have said. Because if the Prophet ﷺ was saying, I was thinking, get firewood and go burn their houses, those men who don't come and pray in congregation. Shows you how important the congregational prayer is. It's not just something like a choice if you feel like it. The Prophet ﷺ wouldn't have said something that strict against those people who don't come. So that indicates how severe that is. In another hadith it mentions, مَنْ سَمِعَ النِّدَى فَلَمْ يَأْتِهِ فَلَا صَلَاةَ لَا إِلَّا مِنْ عُذَرِ Somebody who hears the adhan and doesn't come, then there's no prayer for him. Except if he has a reason. Nowadays people they say, we can't hear the adhan anyway. So we don't have to go to the mosque. In the olden days when they used to do the adhan, no microphones, nothing, they used to get up and do the adhan. Do you know how far it used to go? Deserts and mountains and the voice echoes. Do you know how far it used to go? No mics. They say it could go up to, up to two miles, four kilometers. Imagine in the desert, in the desert, open space, no buildings in the way, nothing stopping the sound waves, no airplanes, no cars, nothing. Out in the deserts and just mountains and things, somebody makes the adhan out loud, his voice would echo up to four kilometers, they say. So really, if you live within four kilometers of a mosque, you should go. You should go and pray in the mosque, which is what, maybe 1.8 miles or 2 miles or something. If you live 1.82 miles or something, 4 kilometers within a mosque, then you should go. Within a, a mosque where you can pray, if it is something of the shirk type, a problem. But otherwise, if you have a, a decent mosque, you can pray. Within 4 kilometers of your house, you should go. Also, there is a famous hadith about a blind man. A blind man came to the Prophet ﷺ once. And he said, Can you give me permission to pray at home? Because I don't have anybody to take me to the mosque. He was blind. He said, I've got nobody to guide me to the mosque. I don't have anybody to guide me to the mosque. So can you give me permission to pray at home, the fard prayers? Because he knew the fard prayers are supposed to be in the mosque. But he said, I'm blind and nobody can take me to the mosque. I've got nobody. So can I just stay at home and pray? So the Prophet ﷺ first initially, at first said to him, Yes. He said, okay. That's a fair enough excuse. Nobody to guide you to the mosque. You can't get there. You're blind. Fair enough. You can pray at home. So then the man turned around and started walking away. As he turned around and started walking away, the Prophet ﷺ called him back. Called him back and said, But wait, 
Can you hear the adhan from where your house is? Can you hear the adhan from where your house is? Atasma'u nida bi salah? The man said, Naam. He said, Yes, I can actually. So he must have been close, one, two kilometers somewhere near the mosque, somewhere close. He said, I can hear. So the Prophet said to him, In that case, Fa'ajib. In that case, you have to go to the mosque. Even as a blind man. And he said, I haven't got anybody to guide me. He said, can you hear the adhan where you are? He said, yes, that means he must be quite reasonably close to the mosque, not too far. So the Prophet said, you got to go. Make some effort, do what it, what it takes, use the stick, etc. Go to the mosque. Shows you how important the congregational prayer is. A blind man saying, I've got nobody to take me. The Prophet says, if you're that close, you can hear the adhan, you're nearby, then go to the mosque. You don't have permission to pray at home. So this indicates how important that is. So many of the scholars say it is obligatory. And others have said even if it's not obligatory, it is something highly, highly important you have to do. Because there are other hadith. There is more reward in congregation. In one narration it says, Salatul jama'ah tafdhulu salat al-fadhi bi-sab'in daraja. The congregational prayer is better than the single prayer you pray by yourself by 27 times more reward. In one other narration, 25 times more reward. So certainly a person should pray in the congregational prayer. So there's a difference of opinion between the scholars. If you miss the congregation on purpose, is your prayer valid at home or not? Does it even count at home or not by yourself? Some scholars said no. They said for the men, it doesn't even count if you pray by yourself at home. You have to pray in congregation for it to count. Others, they said, no, it's not to that level. It will still count at home, but you've lost a big reward. And you can even be sinning for doing that, but it will count. So that is what they mentioned about that. So the next topic now is about the congregational prayer, the imam. What are the responsibilities of the imam in the congregational prayer? In the sunnah, there are lots of things that have been mentioned that the imam should do when fixing up the congregational prayer to start praying. Firstly, أَنْ يَحْرُصَ عَلَىٰ إِكْمَالِ الصَّلَاةِ بِحَيْثْ تَكُونُ مِثْلَ صَلَاةِ مِسَلَّمْ سَلَّمْ فِي أَصْحَابِهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ فَإِنَّهَا أَتَمَّ صَلَاةٍ وَأَخَفَّهَا كَمَا قَالَ أَنَسَ بْنَ مَالِكِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ مَا صَلَّيْتُ وَرَاءَ إِمَامٍ قَطُّ أَخَفَّ صَلَاةٍ وَلَا أَتَمَّ مِنَ Firstly, the imam should pray a complete and full prayer. When he's leading the prayer, not taking shortcuts and things, he's leading the prayer, everybody behind him, he should pray a full and proper, complete prayer. Don't try and take shortcuts and make it quick and finish. The imam should pray properly, carefully, full, complete prayer. That doesn't mean that you make it really long. Make it a, a reasonable length, a decent length. People behind, obviously, you have to look after them. There could be some old people in the congregation, etc., Make it a decent, good length, but make the prayer good and proper and complete. So that is one thing the imam needs to do. Secondly, one of the responsibilities of the imam is أن يحرص على إقامة الصفوف وتصويتها بالقول وبالفعل It is the responsibility of the imam to make sure that all of the rows are straight before starting the prayer. To make sure all of the rows are straight. That doesn't mean that he himself has to go through all of the rows. He can go through the first two or three, 
And you can tell somebody on the fourth row, you check the next few. Tell somebody on the tenth row, you check the next few over there. You can tell people, appoint people, responsible people. Say to him, you check those few rows, you at the back check the back rows. Have a couple of people checking all of the rows, he can check himself the first few rows. Then they tell him, it's fixed. The one in the middle says, it's fixed. Then when he knows everything is fixed, then all the rows are straight. That's when he should then start the prayer. So he should physically, physically go and check the rows. And if there's lots of rows, tell somebody at the back, you check the rows over there. Physically check the rows and align people up. Get them in order, in line, where all of their heels, the backs of their feet are lined up. People make a big mistake. They think you're going to make the row straight by lining up on your toes. That's wrong. The line is straight when you line up on the heels at the back. So when you're lining up, you shouldn't be looking at the front and making yourself line up. You should be looking at the row from behind at the heels of everybody. And make your heels at the same line as everybody. That's how you line it up. So the imam is supposed to do that. And he's supposed to tell them. Tell them as well. The Prophet ﷺ used to say, sufufakum. Straighten your rows. Hadith in Bukhari, a Muslim. Because straightening the rows is from the completion of the prayer. To make your prayer, that congregational prayer, good and proper with all the reward, one of the things is to straighten the rows. The Prophet said in Bukhari, a Muslim, from the completion and the perfection of the prayer is to make the row straight in it when you pray it. That's part of it, part of the reward. In, uh, that's in Bukhari, in Muslim, in Sunan Abi Dawood as well. That again, make your rows proper and straight and come close together and make your necks in line. Hadith in Abu Dawood. Uh, also, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar that the Prophet said, Aqimu sufufa wahadu manakibi wa khalal. Straighten the rows and join between the shoulders and fill the gaps. Suddul khalal. Fill the gaps. Meaning, one person should be stood here and then there's a big gap between the him and the next person there. Side by side, join your shoulders and join your ankles and be side by side. Don't leave big gaps. A row shouldn't be broken up everybody by himself. One person, big gap here, big gap here, next person, big gap, next person. No gaps. Join the rows. The Prophet says, Suddul khalal. Fill the gaps. Don't leave those gaps in the row. Be united. Your hearts united. Everybody joined together side by side in the line. No big gaps in between you. So that is what's mentioned in this narration. Also, in the hadith, the Prophet says, لا تذروا فروجات للشيطان Hadith, the Prophet said, لا تذروا فروجات للشيطان Don't leave gaps for the shaitan. Prophet words, don't leave gaps for the shaitan. So you're supposed to be side by side, touching the guy next to you. Just touching onto his shoulder, touching your ankles, so there's no gap between you. You're joined together. And the other person is joined to you. Other person joined to you. One united body. Praying in that row like that. That's how it should be. Prophet said, La tadaru furujat li shaitan. Don't leave gaps for the shaitan to come in there. And also, in some narrations it mentions... Uh, that when you connect your rows, Allah connects you. When you break up your rows, then Allah breaks you up. These types of narrations are also mentioned. So, 
it is very important for the imam to make sure that he straightens those rows. There are some warnings that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned. That if you do not straighten those rows, then Allah may separate between your hearts. Allah will break between your hearts if you don't straighten those rows. In the hadith of Nu'man ibn Bashir, he says, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ the Prophet used to straighten our rows. When we were straight, look he says, when we got straight, when that was done, then he would make the takbir and start praying. He wouldn't just start praying. He would make sure everybody is lined up. He says, when we were lined up, when we were lined up, then he would go and make the takbir and start praying. Not before. Not just do the iqama, Allahu Akbar, everybody just stood here, there, in front, behind, gaps everywhere. The responsibility of the imam in the sunnah is to check that. And tell somebody as well, check your rows there, check your rows there if it's too many. But that is the responsibility of the imam to do that. There's an example about Uthman ibn Affan, who was the third khalifa, radiallahu anhu. One time he was leading the prayer. So the iqama got done, the iqama got done. Once the iqama got done, Malik ibn Abi Amir, he's narrating this hadith, he says, once the iqama got done, after the iqama got done, Uthman radiallahu anhu had told a couple of people, check the rows, all the rows. He said to a couple of people, check that side, check that side. And they were going and checking and getting everybody straight and lined up and everything. Whilst that was happening, Malik ibn Abi Amir says, I was talking to Uthman. He must have been on the first row. He said, I was talking to Uthman. We were talking. He said, I was asking him some questions about the religion and different things. I was asking him some questions. And he says, Uthman ibn Affan, whilst they were there, so he was stood. Uthman ibn Affan is stood. The iqama has been done. He was stood there now, and he was on the first row. Malik ibn Abi Amir on the first row. They were talking. Uthman said to the couple of guys, check the rows, make them all straight. They were doing it. These two were talking. He says, Malik ibn Abi Amr says, Uthman was there, we were talking, waiting for the rows to get straightened up. And he says, Uthman was there with his foot, you know, like when you're just on the floor with the pebbles and things. He says, Uthman was just there, doing this with the pebbles, and we were talking, just stood there casually, waiting for the rows to be fixed. He says, Uthman was just there with his foot on the ground, just with the pebbles and things, you know what you do. Just waiting, just doing that with the pebbles and we were talking, asking questions and he, those people were checking the rows. So imagine, after the iqama here now, as soon as the iqama, people want Allahu Akbar. They say, what's going on? What's happened? What's going on? Something happened. That's what people say now. But here, look, he said, we were waiting, waiting. Uthman was just with his foot there doing the thing. I was asking him questions, waiting for the uh, rows to fix. He says, when they got fixed, two men came to him, some men came to him and they said, the rows are all fixed, straight. فَأَخْبَرُوهُ أَنَّ الصُّفُوفِ قَدِ They've all got straightened up. So then he says, Malik says, that Uthman said to me, إِسْتَوِيْفِ saf. You now get in the line as well. Because obviously he was on the first row, just come forward talking to him. He said, okay, you get back in the line as well now. So then he got back into the line, Malik. Then Uthman turned around and did Allahu Akbar. So you see, the Salaf, this is how they prayed. The Prophet ﷺ, this is how we would pray. Iqama gets done, everybody stands up, you don't just start the prayer, you get the rows sorted out. The imam takes the responsibility, either himself 
or he tells somebody responsible, check the rows, get them all straight. When they are all straight, then the imam turns around Allahu Akbar and starts praying. It's a big mistake people now. Iqama, as soon as Iqama is done, everybody stands up, Allahu Akbar. Everybody is here, there, all bent, everything, no straightening of the rows, gaps everywhere. That is a, a deficiency and a mistake in the prayer. So this is how the Prophet used to pray. And this is how the companions used to pray. What time is the prayer now here? How past? We can leave it there then. This final 10 pages will finish next week. That's the end of the book, inshallah. The last section will finish next week. And that will be the end of the book, inshallah ta'ala. Yeah, so in that case where we said you forget in the prayer and there's no overwhelming opinion. You get conf- completely confused, so you start with the minimum number. So with the minimum number, that is considered doubt. So you should do it before the salam. Because that is doubt. It's not adding or decreasing. It's not You don't know which one you did, added or decreased. So you got doubt. If you got doubt, then that's before the uh, uh, salam. No, the Ishraq one, that one in particular, it, there's a hadith about it. If you pray Fajr and you stay sitting in your place up until the sun rises and you let it rise a little bit, not straight away, let it rise a little bit. Stay in your place until that happens and then you pray, you get the reward of <coughs> Umrah. You get the reward of Umrah. You pray your Fajr in Jama'ah, stay sitting in the place. Half an hour, 40 minutes, one hour until the sun rises. When it's risen a little bit now coming up after sunrise 10-15 minutes, get up and pray two raka'at, that's the ishraq one. Duha is after, a different one. You, you can pray that at home after, yeah. You know, you have to backwards on When you pray, pray accepted or you have to pray again? That's a, a, a bit complicated. It, it depends on how much was uncovered, which part of it was uncovered. It's a bit complicated. Back, back, uh, lower, lower Lower back, I mean, uh, if it's this, the particularly lower back onto the posterior, then it's a problem. But just the lower back, inshallah, it would be hoped that the prayer is okay for that. It wouldn't, depending on how much is exposed. If it's a huge amount, all the shirt comes up, everything, it's a problem. But a tiny bit, inshallah, the prayer is still okay. But that's why you shouldn't pray in those kinds of clothes. That's why you shouldn't pray in those types of clothes. You should pray with some long garment. You shouldn't pray in a short garment because you know when you go to Ruku, it's going to come up. So you shouldn't pray in those pray- uh, clothes. You know, you know with somebody who doesn't know the prayer fully and they, and they pray and they miss stuff out, but they didn't know, will they still get the reward for it? Or? Allah, I don't know if they get the reward for it, but uh, uh, inshallah, I mean, they, they'll be excused for that. They need to learn though. They need to learn, they need to be taught, and then they pray properly. Because you know with every action, you won't get, you know, you don't know if you'll get the reward, but you'll get excused. So you wouldn't get sin for it because you didn't know if he was completely ignorant and jahil, then inshallah there's no sin. But he right. needs to learn and he needs to do it properly. Right. But that reward you get for the action, that, that is... That Allah, 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 if you get reward for it, not then. But as soon as you find out, you need to learn it and do it properly. You know, um, you said, uh, you know, 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 you
I'm not sure if that's prescribed. Uh, there may be some narrations about those. It is common. But I don't remember the hadith now. I don't remember the hadith for it. There may be some. If somebody can research and bring them, bring them. Um, for of mm. uh, is that a shahud? Honest? No, no, just do the prostration. You have to do the shahud on that afterwards. You know, the time the Prophet um, Bilal to yeah, the two sunnas, then the two far they pray that time. They did it. Mm. All right. Oh. Uh, it's something different. It's, um, sometimes when you pray in a multi-faith center in, in different uh, workplace. So um, I've been told uh, that you know normally when you go to the mosque, you pray most of the time before we sit down. Yeah, yeah. So I've been told that it's not actually, I should not do that because this is not a mosque. Yeah, that's true. If it's not a mosque, you don't have to do it. That's for the mosque. That's called Tahiyatul Masjid. Greetings for the mosque. If you go into a mosque, you should pray too before you sit down. In your workplace, just like they have a room or something they pray in. No, but uh, there's a, uh, also Juma prayer. We do Juma prayer also. Then. So it's a musalla. Yeah. Full five prayers every day, Juma prayer every week, or everything. Yeah, everything. Fajr in the morning? I don't know because I, I, I saw eight o'clock, so I don't know. But there's a timetable and everything there. and then. Uh, if if they do all five prayers regular and they do Juma as well, then it's it's basically like a masjid. It has the rulings of a masjid. Then you pray two, two rakat before you sit down. But I doubt, uh, are they gonna, in summer especially, Anybody go there at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, pay Fajr? Because it's 24 hours, in a, it's in the hospital. So they have. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, because my question is if I pray, is this a sin? I mean, my question is if I uh, pray. You know, I, 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 I would think that type of place there, it's not required. It, it's, it's more musalla rather than masjid. Oh. There's no imam is there. Anybody who just comes, the workers, they get together, somebody leads. Maybe Jum'ah there is. Yeah, but the rest yeah. of the prayer is nothing, huh? No, no. Yes, there's no fixed imam. Every groups they come, they pray, etc. Hmm? Yeah, like the college kind of ones. So uh, I, I don't think, Allah alam, I don't think this should be classed as a mosque. It would be classed as a musalla. So you don't necessarily have to do it there. But some scholars do say, if a musalla has full prayers, everything happening, you should pray. So this one technically does. There's always going to be doctors there. Is it quiet? Quiet room? The multi faith rooms. Yeah, it's multi faith. It has the cross and things or what? No, no cross there. No cross there. Any other religious symbols? No, but there is Bible there also, all these religious books there. Yeah, I mean, you definitely can't class it as a masjid. It's a musalla only. I'm not saying it's a masjid, but. Yeah, then you don't need to pay to masjid. The two you're asking for that type of place, you don't. Definitely, definitely not. Alright, we'll have to conclude. We'll carry on next week, inshallah. Same time, roughly 7.15, approximately.